Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, y'all. If you haven't guessed, my name is Nick Jonkowski. I'm the birthday boy. (laughs) I also uh, serve as the associate pastor here at Mosaic Church that you are joining us. Um, I'm going to switch my mic because we have, I'll just go handheld, Patrick, if that's one reminder is enough. All right, there we go. Um, so as I was saying, my name is Nick Jankowski. I'm the associate pastor here at Mosaic Church. And uh, if this is your first time joining us, or perhaps I know it's the summer months, maybe you've gone up north to the lake house for the past few weeks, and you're coming back for the first time, we are wrapping up today a series that we've entitled how to read the Bible. And over the last few weeks, we've been diving into different facets of God's Word, trying to provide some practical tools for which we can use to engage with God's Word, the Bible, in our daily lives. And we're going to continue that study today and that discussion today by looking at the transformational power of God's Word. But before we do so, I'd like to invite you to join us in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive from God today. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your word, that your word sees us exactly as we are and offers hope and a future through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we engage with that word today, we pray that we would leave here differently because of that, that having encountered the living and true God of heaven and earth, we would leave more like Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever met a hypocrite? It's not a trick question. (laughs) Have you ever met a hypocrite? I'm talking about the people who will say one thing and do something completely different. Or the persons who will actually judge a behavior of someone else, but then will turn around and engage in the similar or exact kind of behavior. Now, if the person that immediately comes to mind when I say that is sitting directly next to you, please do not point at them, especially if that person happens to be your spouse, because I don't want to create any more marital counseling in this church than we already have. But the reality is we've all met or encountered hypocrites in life. They're everywhere. In fact, there's one standing on stage in front of you now. Yes. And you say... How do you mean, Pastor? Well, the truth is, is that I am a dyed-in-the-wool, skinny-jeans hypocrite. It's true. It's true. Back when skinny-jeans first kind of began gaining popularity as a fashion trend for men somewhere circa 2010, I remember vehemently swearing up and down, I will never, I will never wear skinny-jeans. In fact, my hypocrisy ran so deep that I even told my dear wife, honey, you can slap me upside the head should I ever don a pair of skinny jeans because that means I've lost my ever-loving mind. (laughs) Thankfully, my wife did not follow through on that because fast forward a decade and some change later, not only do I own several pairs of skinny jeans, 
but I actually kind of like them. <laughs> it's true. So while you cannot call me someone who is fashion forward because it took me 14 years to actually adopt the fashion, you can certainly call me a skinny jeans hypocrite. And I wish I could tell you that skinny jeans were the only area of my life where I have acted hypocritically. But the truth is, sometimes in my journey of faith with Jesus, I act or behave hypocritically there too. In other words, sometimes I say things that don't match up with my actions. For example, I might say, even from stage, that we as believers need to love radically our neighbor, especially those who exist in the margins or the fringes of society. But then I walk out the door, and I have a hard time doing exactly that because Jesus-like love is messy and uncomfortable. Or maybe I stand on stage or in our small group and declare that as believers, we have been commissioned by Christ to go and share the good news of the gospel everywhere we go. But I show up at the gym or the grocery store and my own fears and insecurities keep me from opening my mouth. Or maybe I'll say from stage and boldly proclaim, in Jesus, we have the power to overcome all sin only to turn around and struggle and mess up again and again. The truth is, church, your pastor is sometimes a hypocrite. And I know that that can, might be shocking language for some of you who might look and say, you're a spiritual leader of this church. Why in the world would you openly admit on stage to your hypocrisy? After all, nobody likes a hypocrite, right? I do so because for a couple of reasons. First, as a flawed individual myself, I know my own failures, but as someone who also regularly works with other flawed individuals as a pastor in this church, I have an intimate understanding of the human psychology as relates to hypocrisy, specifically amongst those who call themselves Christians those who would profess the name of Christ. And, I, and by that, I mean that we have as believers, it's something about this religious mindset that leads to an innate tendency or desire to point out the hypocrisy in others while at the same time lacking the intellectual and perhaps emotional or even spiritual fortitude to be able to point the finger back at ourselves. In other words, as believers... Not only do we sometimes come across as hypocrites, but oftentimes we excel as posers as well. And the interesting thing is, is that as you flip through Scripture, Jesus, who was God and man, who knew us better than we know ourselves, understood the danger of hypocrisy as it relates to those who are spiritually minded. In fact, Jesus addressed this very topic in Matthew 7, and when he addressed it, he put it this way. He said, how can you say to your friend... Let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite, first get rid of your, the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And so as I stand up here, I'm being intentionally transparent about my own hypocritical failures and shortcomings as a pastor 
in order to hopefully create a safe place for you to be able to acknowledge and wrestle with your own hypocrisy. That perhaps if your pastor is able to admit that I don't always stick the landing when it comes to making sure my actions align with my words, you also might be liberated to do the same. Because I think, church, if we're honest this morning with one another, we might readily admit that every one of us acts as hypocrites at some time in our journey of faith with Jesus. In the ability for us to be able to admit and address our hypocrisy as followers of Jesus matters greatly. Primarily because not only does hypocrisy tend to separate us and distance us from God, but when we act in, as hypocrites, it takes the name of Jesus and his church and drags it through the mud. In fact, Paul, when he wrote to the group of Christians in Rome, addressed the effects of hypocrisy like this. He said, you are so proud of the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder scripture says the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. More specifically, Paul was saying that hypocrisy that exists inside the church gives rise or occasion for those who are outside the church to mock the name of Jesus. And so our big question this morning, church, that I invite you to wrestle with is this. How do we avoid, as followers of Jesus, being labeled as hypocrites? Or more specifically, how do we consistently overcome the hypocrisy in our lives as we go about work and interacting with others? And I used the word consistently, specifically and not perfectly, because there was only one who was ever perfect, and you are not him, and neither am I. And so I recognize that this morning you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, self, what in the heck do skinny jeans and hypocrisy have to do with reading the Bible? <laughs> How does that all tie in? This was supposed to be a fun message this morning because it's his birthday. The truth is, and I'm glad that you ask, is that the Bible has everything to do with it. Because as we're about to see in just a moment, the, trans the transformational power of God's word, along with the eradication of the hypocrisy in our lives, are inexorably tied together in Scripture. And so I want to invite you this morning to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, whether that's in your Bibles or in your Bible apps. We'll have the words on screen if you don't have your Bible. And I want us to explore together what God has to say regarding this important issue. Now, as you turn to Hebrews 4 in your Bible, I want to quickly give you some historical background on what was happening during this time in what is perhaps one of the most important books in the entirety of God's Word. The book of Hebrews was originally written as a letter to a group of Jewish believers who were struggling with hypocrisy. It seems that as you go back and you do some studying about the text, that the flames of persecution had spread to this community of faith, and that some of the believers who had professed faith in Christ were now turning back to their Jewish roots in order to avoid discrimination. 
And so the author of Hebrews begins to pen this letter as a means to exhort these followers of Jesus to shed off their hypocrisy and to stand firm in their faith in Christ regardless of the cost. And so in Hebrews 4.12, the author describes one of the most powerful tools in the believer's arsenal as relates to combating hypocrisy in our lives. And so let's look what he writes here, beginning in Hebrews uh, 4, verse 12 and 13. He says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of God to him whom we must give an account. And so if you're sitting there this morning, you're feeling a little bit confused how that verse relates to hypocrisy. Let me just encourage you by first saying you're not alone. Because as it relates to this particular passage, there are two diametrically opposed viewpoints about how to interpret what Hebrews 4.12 says. First, when we look at Hebrews 4.12, we can understand from one viewpoint that it is one of the most quoted and one of the most well-known verses in the entirety of God's Word about the power and authority of Scripture. That's the first truth. But the second truth is this, is that Hebrews 4.12 is also one of the most misunderstood and misapplied verses in the entirety of God's Word as relates to the power and authority of Scripture in our lives. And so I want to break down those two different things for us and look at specifically what the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate through this text. And so he starts out by saying this, that the Word of God is alive and active. And what he's indicating here or trying to communicate with his audience is that the Bible is not like any other book that has ever been written throughout human history. More specifically, we might say today that the Bible hits different. The Bible hits different when we read it. And I don't want to go in and spend time about all the specific reasons about why the Bible is in a league of, into itself because we've literally spent the last three weeks exploring that. And so I would encourage you that if you desire to take a deeper dive on some of those topics, go back and listen to the last week's scripture message and two weeks ago and three weeks ago, and you can get caught up on that. I will add, though, this morning, for the purpose of our discussion, that it's important to have in mind that when we engage with the Word of God, it is not like we are engaging with any other book. When I sit down and read the Bible, it's not like I'm reading Harry Potter, it's not like I'm reading the Lord of the Rings. The author of Hebrews is testifying to this very fact that the Bible is different because it has a spiritual pulse to it, in that its pages contain the mind of God. Let that sink in for just a moment. When we read the Bible, we are literally reading the mind of God. In other words, because Scripture is the literal words of God, it reverberates with divine power and authority to not only chase after us as believers and unbelievers. It not only has that power, but it also lays hold of us. It convicts us. It changes us and remolds us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. 
And the fact that the uh, Bible says the word is alive, it's interesting when you go back and look at some of the Greek texts about that word alive. It's actually written in a present tense. And you say, so what? What What does that mean? When you go back and you understand some of the Greek language, when words are written in the present tense, it indicates an ongoing or continual action. And that matters because what the author is communicating here is he's speaking directly to the perpetual power of God's word to be able to transcend both time and space. And this means that the transformational power that was included within God's word does not change over time and does not fluctuate with culture. It does not change. The same truth that was given thousands of years ago to the original audience who heard it still applies to us today and will still apply for eternity to come because God does not change, therefore his word does not change. The Bible hits different because regardless of what the calendar date may say, regardless of what we may see as the year or the time in which we live, the Bible hits different because it speaks to the reality of our human condition, even our own hypocrisy, and speaks hope and life through salvation in Christ alone. So we see first that the Bible hits different. And the author doesn't stop there. He continues on and he writes again in Hebrews um, 4, 12. He says that, that scripture is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Now, at the risk of overstating the issue, the Bible is not a physical sword. Okay, though I would think that would be really, really cool, God, if I got to heaven and could just say, if you could change one thing and make the Bible an actual sword, that would be amazing. Because I think a lot more Christians would bring their Bible to church if they could carry it like a broadsword on their back, straight up He-Man style. I mean, think about it for a moment, like, shunk. It would be amazing, but that's not what Scripture is talking about. Instead, Hebrews is using the imagery of a double-edged sword to communicate a spiritual reality regarding Scripture. Specifically, the Bible is akin to a spiritual Ginsu knife. Now, how many remember those infomercials back in the day, right? I mean, you had to stay up late to see the Ginsu knife infomercials. But if you happen to catch one back in the day, it always featured a guy who was yelling into the camera, it slices, it dices, and inevitably he's using the knife to try and cut through a tin can or a tire. And I would sit there and think, I don't know why I need a knife to cut through a tin can or a tire, but take my money just in case I ever run into that. But that's beside the issue. Likewise, the Bible, as God's divinely authoritative word has the power to cut through the surface of our outward actions and reveal what's really inside our hearts. It has the power to cut through the surface of our outward actions to really reveal what's in our hearts. In other words, God's word slices and dices through all our external bullcrap to be able to highlight 
and, and, and cut away our facades as well as our masks that we put on as believers or individuals to try and please others, to reveal specifically what is going on in the inner motivations of our heart. The Bible reveals what's going on inside And this matters so much, church. This matters so much, especially as it relates to hypocrisy, because when we examine our inner motivations, the truth is that oftentimes those motivations, those things that drive forward our outward behavior, are often hidden from us or are a mystery to us. At the very least, we might say that they are murky waters for most. And King Solomon, in his, uh, understood this uh, idea, and then when he was writing in the book of Proverbs, he addresses this very fact. He says in Proverbs verse 20, verse 5, that the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. You see, church, the trauma that we endure in life, our own insecurities, our own fears, our own doubts, our own sin, have a way of obscuring from us the motivations of our hearts that drive forward our behavior. And this means that we need help. We need help to get to the heart of the matter, as it were. And we look throughout Scripture, and we see in John 14, 16, that Jesus promised to send help in the form of the Holy Spirit. And then later in John 14, 26, Jesus says that that same spirit that he's sending to help us who indwells in the life of every believer will not only help us in understanding his word, which in turn will also help us to draw out the deep waters of our heart. You see, church, God in his infinite love and mercy for us did not leave us to our own devices to navigate the often turbulent waters of our own hypocrisy. Instead, he gave us his word. He gave us his word, and through the illumination of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are given light not only to shine on the reality of our outward actions, but perhaps even more importantly, God's light shines deep into the inner resources of our heart to reveal those deep motivations that are sinful and broken and fester and give birth to hypocrisy. And so we see that not only does the Bible hit differently, but it reveals what's inside as well. Finally, the author concludes with some poignant words that I think every human being, whether you're a Christian or not, should cause you to stop and at the very least shudder in holy fear. He says this, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who must give, to whom we must give an account. The truth about hypocrisy is that hypocrisy thrives in secrecy. Hypocrisy grows and thrives in secrecy. The hypocrite conceals their true form by masquerading as something that they are not. They deceive others and sometimes even go as far to deceive themselves by covering up their true nature of their actions and intentions. Just like those first century Christians were doing by turning back to Judaism in order to avoid religious persecution. But the author of the Hebrews addresses this issue. And he declares specifically that though a hypocrite 
may fool the world, there is one who is never fooled. There is one who is never fooled. And he states emphatically that our God, as the creator and sustainer of all life, sees the actions and motivations of every creature, both big and small. From the great elephants on the plains of Africa to the most infinitesimal parasite, there is nothing within the created order that escapes the purview of our God's all-seeing eyes especially and including our innermost thoughts and motivations, which we think are hidden from everybody. God sees it all. And if that's not unnerving enough, if that's not unnerving enough for us, he doesn't stop there. The author continues and takes it one step further, and he reiterates an undeniable truth that is found in the entirety, throughout the entirety of Scripture. He says that the God who sees all is the same God who will judge all as the true and righteous judge of the universe. And this reality of our coming and unavoidable judgment ought to be a somber and sobering thought for any who consider themselves to be spiritually minded. Because there's two different realities when we stand before the throne of God in judgment. If you are found to be outside of faith in Christ, meaning you have never professed faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Scripture tells us that those who are found in that position at that time of judgment will be cast into damnation and stand outside of God's presence for all eternity. However, for the believer who's found forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, our works will be judged by the merit of of what they were in the way in which they were done and that God will reward us in kind. In his letter to the Corinthian church, the apostle Paul describes the believer's judgment like this. He says that for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ, meaning that faith has to start with Jesus. You cannot start with salvation in any other form and find it in any other place. Foundationally, our salvation begins and ends in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on. He says that if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw— their works will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. The day in which the Apostle Paul is referring to is that judgment where we will stand before God. In other words, what he's saying is while Christians have no fear of hell because of our faith in Christ Jesus, God will hold us responsible for the ways in which we use our time, our talents, and our treasures here on earth. It's kind of like that old famous Spider-Man quote right? With great power comes great responsibility, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And here's the truth, church, that you need to hear this morning. In Christ, we have been given a treasure trove of invaluable blessings and spiritual riches, and that God will reward us in heaven one day based on how we invest those things here on earth. And so if our works are shown to be built upon sinful and selfish and hypocritical works and motivations, 
Just like when you take wood or paper or hay and toss it into a fire, when we stand before God on that day of judgment, Scripture says that those things will be burned up. They'll be burned up, and they won't count for anything eternally. However, if we stand before God on that day and our works are built on the motivations that are pure and righteous, Scripture tells us this, that we'll be rewarded by our Master and hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we might say this morning then, church, that it's important, at least as it relates to our hypocrisy, that we repent now in order that God might reward us later. And this is why it matters. This is why as believers, as people who profess, follow as faith in Christ Jesus, that we must be diligent to examine the motivations of our heart today through the lens of Scripture and expose anything that is sinful, anything that is hypocritical to the truth and light of God's Word. Because it's in the Bible, church, that not only do we see who God is, but it's in Scripture that we also see how God sees us. In Scripture, we see ourselves as we truly are. Skinny jeans, hypocrisy and all, we see the light of who we truly are. And when we saturate our lives with the truth of God's Word, it allows us in that moment to be honest with God about our condition, our brokenness, our mistakes, and even our hypocrisy. It allows us to trust the will of God and then to bring that brokenness and that hypocrisy to the foot of the cross and leave it there with Jesus. The day will come, church. Make no mistake about it. The day will come. Scripture is clear that one day we will all stand before the maker and give an account for how we've lived our lives. There is no doubt of that. So let us use the truth of God's word to examine our lives today so that when that day comes, we may stand with confidence before our master knowing that we have purified our lives with the truth of his word. You okay? My name is Nick Jonkowski. I'm your pastor and I love you. I say these things because I love you. Okay? So we can see from our text that the Bible clearly teaches that it hits different. The Bible's not like any other book that we've read before and that it reveals what's really inside of our hearts, and that when we repent of our hypocrisy now, God will reward us in heaven at a later date. We might say that in the light of God's word, hypocrisy has no place to hide. Hypocrisy has no place to hide. But here's the truth, and this is always the, the, the difficulty of preaching is that the difference between knowing and being able to intellectually grasp a concept in our heads and then applying that truth to our hearts is so vastly different. The difference between our head and our hearts is so much greater than the 12, distance, 12 inches that actually separates the two. And so the question then this morning is how then do we actually specifically go about the business of examining our lives through the lens of God's word? Pastor, I can get on board with what you're saying. I understand. I see that. But then how do I actually do that? What does that look like in the everyday stuff of life? Well, the truth is, is that unfortunately, many of us as believers tend to get it wrong when it comes to applying Hebrews 4.12. All too often... 
many believers, I'm not saying you guys because you're obviously holier than the people that I'm talking about, okay? So everybody take a breath, okay? Oftentimes, believers tend to take the text like Hebrews 4.12 and other texts like it, and we use it, the authority, call upon really the authority of God's word to bash or point out the hypocrisy in others, to use God's word as a double-edged sword to beat others into submission. And that's not to say this morning, church, that we shouldn't use God's word lovingly to guide people and point people towards the truth of Jesus Christ and the hope that is found in salvation through Christ alone. We must and we should. But the problem becomes that too often we turn the truth and the light of God's word on others' hypocrisy before we ever stop to turn it on our own, if we ever do it at all. And this is one of the great reasons why so many people outside the church label us as hypocrites. It's one of the reasons why so many people point at Christians and say, you are a hypocrite. Because we use God's word to point out others' hypocrisy, but we don't use it to address our own. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of a, uh, a story uh, I found uh, brought a smile to my face. I hope it does for yours as well. I was at a friend's uh, house for his son's birthday party. And for this birthday party, he had actually bought his son a Home Depot workbench, like a kid's Home Depot workbench. And this thing was amazing. It came complete with plastic like hammer, power saw, nails like workbench. It was awesome. And so we go through this party and all the presents are open, all the cake gets eaten. And after all the other kids have left, the adults retire to the kitchen for conversation while his son and his older brother were playing in the living room with their freshly minted Home Depot playset. And we're sitting in the kitchen talking, and all of a sudden we start to hear this. Thump, thump, thump. Followed by the loud cries of the youngest boy. And so immediately, like, everybody's up in arms, and we rush out into the, from the kitchen into the living room to find out what the chaos was. And we discover that his older brother has taken the plastic hammer, and instead of using for it for how it was intended, he's beating his younger brother over the head with his hammer. Thump, thump, thump. Thankfully, nobody was hurt that day other than the young man's ego. But it serves to illustrate a spiritual point regarding Hebrews 4.12, that oftentimes we take Scripture out of context, and we use it for purposes other than it's intended. And this is where context is king when it comes to interpreting God's word. Because we would do well to remember who the original audience was as relates to Hebrews 4.12. Think back for a second. Remember, this book was not written. The letter was not written to a group of unbelievers chiding them for their hypocrisy. The letter was written to a group of Christian believers who were struggling with their hypocrisy and was given to them as a means to exhort them by the author to examine their lives through the merit of the, in the purifying lens of God's word. They were instructed to take God's word and, and examine the merit of their works first before they ever were able to take that and examine the lives of others. I would say as followers in 2023, we would do well to inherit and follow that same biblical pattern for our own lives. 
in order that we might expose and eradicate the hypocrisy in our life before we choose to eradicate it in the lives of others. Remember, church, hypocrisy has nowhere to hide in the light of God's word. It cannot hide. Darkness cannot hide in the presence of God. And so when we saturate our lives with God's word, we expose and reveal those inner workings of our heart that God may deal with that and cut it out of us. So my challenge this morning to you, church, is this. May we be a church in Washington County that is not known as a congregation of hypocrites. May we change that narrative as a church. May we change the narrative of who the followers of Jesus are by allowing our lives to be transformed by the transformational power of God's word to be moored more and more into the manifest image of Jesus that we might instead, as Mosaic Church, be known as followers of Jesus who love generously, who give radically, and live authentically before people and before our God. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.